120, Leviticus uh, 18, uh, verse 1 to, to 5, and then also Leviticus 19, uh, 9 to 18. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow, to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who, obey, who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And the second one. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of the fields or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud your neighbour or rob him. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favouritism to the great. But judge your neighbour fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbour's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your, rebuke your neighbour frankly, so that you will share in his guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. Amen. In the first part we looked at the ceremonial cleaning of God's dwelling place, the tabernacle. And now Leviticus moves to the matter of personal and communal and national holiness and moral impurity. Or moral purity rather. And repeatedly in this book God has frequently said, Be holy for I am holy. And the ancient nation of Israel was to be an obedient example to the whole world. A unique concept or paradigm, if you like. God was present with them and they were to be his light in a dark world. The people of Israel were to live a life that reflected the holiness of Almighty God. This God desired obedience over sacrifice. Holiness was to be a moral attribute of ancient Israel, much the same as it was for the holy God who dwelt amongst them. In chapter 18 we see at least three characteristics of this relationship. Firstly, there is the call for them to be loyal to God. God's laws were not to be obeyed as slaves, but to be obeyed joyfully and with uh, effervescent and lively vigour. God is speaking to those he is in an intimate and dynamic relationship with and he wants them to be observably loyal to him. Holy. And secondly, there's a call to be different. Of course, some of us are more different than others. And different from the surrounding countries and cultures. 
Ancient Israel was to have a, a national distinctiveness that uh, truly was to have separated them from the surrounding cultures, such as Egypt. Ancient Israel was to live a life so radically different that the people around them would notice that they were different. They were to be separate from the world around them in lifestyle and worship. Their God was a personal God who dwelt with them. God's presence with them was to affect every aspect of life on both a national and individual level. And thirdly, their whole life was to be worship. Worship wasn't to be just for the Sabbath and the sacrifice rituals, for the feasts and the ceremonies. It was to be their lifestyle. God's regulations affected such uh, ordinary things as relationships, diet, clothing, social justice, social welfare, uh, environment and work. Their whole lifestyle was to be an, an act of worship and not just on the Sabbath. Who knows best what humans need? Humans or the God who created them? By being obedient they would have life to the full a life of blessing, of abundance and peace. Let's look at an example, that chapter 19 that Chris read out. It starts off with taking care of the poor and the alien and the daily necessity to eat. That was how God was going to provide for the poor and the alien, through the farmer not harvesting everything. I wonder if many farmers do that these days. And to leave some food unharvested was to be a symbolic act of worship, a thanksgiving and a visible sign of trusting in God to supply people's needs. It was holiness in action, a generous holiness, if you like. Then there's good neighbours. Everybody likes good neighbours. And don't talk about the Australian soap, because that's not good neighbours. And this section is summarised in Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbour as yourself. So, for an ancient Israelite, to love his neighbour would mean not stealing, not lying, not being deceptive, not blaspheming, not cursing, not being uh, unjust, not slanderous. He was uh, not to be filled with hatred or endangering the lives of others. A good neighbour would be a person of integrity, they wouldn't be seeking to exploit others in any way. A good neighbour would administer justice and be observably filled with love. Does that remind you of something that someone said in the New Testament? So, what is the best way for us in the 21st century to read these ancient laws of Leviticus? Is it just to simply ignore them or are we to slavishly follow them? Perhaps the best way is to simply let Scripture interpret Scripture and see what the New Testament says about the Levitical laws. Take, for instance, the food laws. Who here likes bacon sandwiches? Because I know I do. And we know in the New Testament that all food is now permissible, whereas under the Old Testament, certain foods were not permitted to be eaten. In the New Testament, for example, the Apostle Peter had a dream in which all food was declared clean. And it's also wise not to see them as merely a list of not-do statements, but also as do statements. 
Rather, we should see them as a love letter from a God who wants to save his people from distress and anxiety in order to give them a life of peace, unity, health and a joyful life in all its holiness. All these laws were to lead ancient Israel to be a holy nation. Holiness was about being set apart for a purpose and making wise, conscious decisions about what was right or wrong. It involved being obedient to God and keeping his decrees and regulations. Being wholly involved having a lifestyle which is contrary to the cultures surrounding them. To be holy was a lifestyle choice of worship to reflect their holy God who lived amongst them. Not like the surrounding nations whose gods were made of stone and wood and were inanimate. Not dynamic like their God. They were called to be loyal, called to be distinct and called to worship. So what's all that got to do with us? Where does the Day of Atonement and these laws fit into the life of a Christian now in the 21st century? We'll take a look in a little while.